So when you look at this, natural metabolism in your body is always tending the extracellular fluid towards acidity. Welcome to the What Up Doc University podcast, your number one resource for total body wellness. Here's your host, Dr. Mike. All right, welcome to today's podcast all about pH. And we're going to talk how it affects your body and all that stuff. And there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of, I guess, topics surrounding pH and alkalizing your body. And there's been a growing trend around alkalizing your body and people being very interested in this topic. And in this podcast, what we're going to go over very, very briefly, and I, and I emphasize the word briefly because there's so much to know about this, this intricate chemistry, uh, especially when you start getting into cellular biology, about pH. So we're going to touch a little bit about some of the aspects of pH. What is pH? Uh, you're going to learn about what the effects it has on cellular function and then how the body naturally will balance out its pH because it does that naturally, believe it or not. And then what happens when the pH in your body goes out of balance? And then what are some of the best ways, the tips that I use every day in practice and also for myself to keep my pH balance and keep my patient's pH balance? So that's what we're going to go over today in today's podcast. So in 1909, a Danish chemist by the name of Soren Sorensen discovered pH. And, well, he didn't invent pH, but he discovered it, right? And basically what he was looking at was the concentration of hydrogen ions in, concentra- in, in solution, I should say. So the amount of hydrogen ions that was in an aqueous solution. And this also accounted for the amount of hydroxide ions. And what he was looking at was the total concentration of all these things. And he discovered that he could use a logarithmic scale to display what pH is. And he discovered that it went from 0 to 14. And these are powers of 10. What he found was that 0 had the greatest, the highest concentration of hydrogen ions, and this was the most acidic, and that 14 was the maximum amount of hydroxide ions, and this is the greatest number that you can reach on the pH scale, which is basic. And then he found that right in the middle at pH 7 is where the hydrogen ions and hydroxide ions canceled each other out, and it was basically neutral. So you didn't have anything going from acid or base. It was just right in the middle. That's what they call neutral. Now, when we look at the pH scale, we're going at powers of 10. So say something has a pH of 3, and that, um, and then it increases to a pH of 4. When you look at it from a concentration of hydrogen ions, and because a factor of, when you move a factor of one, it's by literally a factor of 10, actually. pH of three has 10 times the concentration of pH four. So pH three is 10 times the concentration of hydrogen ions than pH four. So remember, the pH scale goes from 0 to 14, and you can measure this uh, with litmus paper and and all these different types of solutions uh, that you can find anywhere. So this is how they discovered pH and how they measured pH, actually. 
Again, Danish chemist Soren Sorensen, 1909. So pH is fun in all study in in the classroom, right? In, in biochemistry class, but what effect does it have upon your health? That's the biggest question we, we, we're asking ourselves, right? As listeners of the What Up Doc University podcast, we are concerned about our health and keeping ourselves healthy for as long as possible, right? So when we look at pH, and there's a reason why I'm doing this podcast, is because pH has such a vast impact upon your health. Uh, stuff that we don't really think about, but it's affecting our health every single day. And we got to start at the cellular level. Because everything in your body starts at the cell. If you have healthy cells, you have healthy tissues, you have healthy organs, and you have healthy systems, which equals to a healthy body. And a healthy body equals to a happy person. A happy person equals to a happy family, which equals to happy communities, happy cities, happy states, happy country, and a happy world. So you can see how everything goes back to the cell, even world happiness. So we got to start at the cell. Now, when we look at the cell, we got to understand just a few things about how the cell functions. Now, surrounding the cell, we have a thing called a cell membrane. And the cell membrane will actually let things in and keep things out. So it's a a semi-selective membrane. Okay, It's kind of like getting into a club. You got to be selected to get into the club and the ones that the, the bouncers don't want to let in, they keep out. And that's what the, the, the cell membrane is like. Now, the cell membrane has a lot to do with the polarity of the molecules trying to pass through the membrane in so much that if a molecule is polarized, meaning that there's a charged, there's just charged ends, meaning one side is positive, one side is negative, it has a very difficult time pa- passing through the cell membrane. So what it has to happen is it, it needs to be basically neutralized and then it'll pass through the cell membrane. Okay, so it has to be converted into its nonpolar form. Now, when you look at what's surrounding the cell, it's called the extracellular fluid, it can become more acidic. And, and as we go in this podcast, you'll see why it gets more acidic. And, and what'll, what it'll happen is, and you'll see why this is important in just a minute. Now, when the extracellular fluid, the stuff that surrounds the cell, so you can, it's basically like a cell sitting in this bathtub uh, of, of acid, okay? Now, when the extracellular fluid becomes more acidic, it causes acidic compounds to change into their neutral form. Now, let's go back. Why is this important? Well, if you have an acid compound that becomes neutralized, now it can pass through the cell membrane easier. Now, here's what happens. That acidic compound will now pass through the cell membrane because it's been neutralized, remember? It was neutralized in the extracellular fluid. And then when it gets within the cell it will lose a proton and will turn back to its acidic form. And then when it turns back to, into its acidic form, it'll create some type of biological function. Um, so it may cause the cell to do something that it's not necessarily meant to be doing or, or, you, or you want it to be doing. Now, this is the way that 
most of the pharmaceutical drugs work is that they are, are neutralized in the extracellular fluid. It passes through and then it has some type of pharmacological response on the cell. Sometimes you want this to happen. But what happens when you have stuff like toxins? Now go back to episodes one and two where I talk about toxins in the environment. When this crosses that cell membrane and starts causing the cells to produce different things that's not supposed to be happening, we got problems, right? The cell's not supposed to be doing those things, but it is because the toxins got into the cell. Now, it's all this is happening because the extracellular fluid is acidic, okay? Now, let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into cellular function, right? And, and, and you're going to understand why this is important. Now, we need to step back even further. We're going to take a, a look at how your body generates energy and why we eat food, right? So the whole reason why we eat food other than it tasting good and making us feel happy is to get energy, right? You got to get to the notion of you need to eat to live, not live to eat. And we're going to talk more about this as we go in the different podcasts. You guys are going to see the importance of our diet and how, how that really affects our body. Not just a theoretical hallmark card saying you got to eat good because you are what you eat kind of stuff. You're going to actually learn why. And we're going to start start with this right now. So you eat food, right? Cheeseburger or whatever. Actually, you shouldn't be eating cheeseburgers, guys. Uh, a cucumber. Let's start with a cucumber, right? So you eat that food, and that food has stored potential energy in it. Okay, so plants absorb the energy from the sun, and they store it within its cells, within the molecules and the atoms, specifically the bonds of these atoms, Okay. Now, what happens is you eat the food, your body needs to digest the food and break it down into its smallest usable components. And then this is called macronutrients or micronutrients, the macronutrients being fats, proteins, carbohydrates. Uh, And the micronutrients is your vitamins, minerals, enzymes, trace minerals, all those those things, right? Uh, This is basically, what you got to look at it is you're taking... You're taking a house, right? And you want to build a new house. So you disassemble that old house. You take apart everything and you get all the, the, the wood from the flooring, the walls. Uh, those are, would be considered your macronutrients. And then your micronutrients is kind of like the screws in the wall or the nails, uh, the little, the little things that hold everything together and make everything possible. So your body breaks, breaks all that down. Essentially, it'll get into the cell, right? And what the cell will do is the cell's basic unit that it starts utilizing to make energy is sugar. So whether it's a fat, protein, or carbohydrate, it'll eventually turn into a a usable form of sugar, most likely in the form of glucose, right? And then the cell will break that down. What happens is within the cell... It starts this first process is called glycolysis. It's a fancy word for breaking down the sugar and extracting the stored energy within that sugar. Now, what happens in this in this process of glycolysis is the first reaction is in the absence of oxygen. So within this reaction of glycolysis, a couple of things happen. One, you produce energy in the form of ATP, and we'll get to that in a little bit. You produce ATP, but in the meantime, you produce waste products. 
So just like anything else in life, when you produce something, some waste product has to be produced in the meantime. Okay, so step one is it goes through glycolysis in the absence of oxygen, and that will produce thing like lactic acid. Okay, now if there is enough oxygen present, then it, the, it there, the end compound of glycolysis is this thing called pyruvate. Now, if there's no oxygen, that pyruvate will turn into lactic acid, or if there is oxygen, pyruvate will turn into acetyl-CoA. Okay, acetyl-CoA then gets dumped into the powerhouse of the cell. The powerhouse of the cell is called the mitochondria. The mitochondria will now take that acetyl-CoA, will run it through its energy factory, okay, and it'll put it through the first cycle within the mitochondria called the citric acid cycle. And within the citric acid cycle, more ATP will be produced. And as you produce more ATP, what happens? You produce more waste product. Now, the, the primary waste product that's being produced at this time is carbon dioxide. So within the cell, the cell is trying to get rid of this carbon dioxide. Now, within, within the mitochondria, after the citric acid cycle, it'll move into the electron transport chain. The electron transport chain will now take the, take the rest of the stuff and, and trans, transmute it into more ATP. And as you produce more ATP, what happens? You produce more carbon dioxide. So let's step back. You had glycolysis, remember? Glycolysis will produce ATP, but it'll also produce waste products, lactic acid. And inside the mitochondria, you have the citric acid cycle, you have the electron transport chain. That'll produce ATP, but it'll also produce carbon dioxide. Now, the, now, within the cell, the cell doesn't like to keep all this stuff on the inside. It has to get rid of it. So it pumps it from the inside of the cell to the outside of the cell into where? The extracellular fluid. Now, this is kind of like a car, right? Your car is, is running, the engine's running, and it's making exhaust. So you're getting usable usable uh, form of energy, which is movement, right? You're moving the car, but as you move the car, it's making exhaust. And the exhaust has to go out of the car because if the exhaust goes back into the car, the engine doesn't work. I don't know if you guys remember, there's a, the movie um, Beverly Hills Cop where Eddie Murphy sneaks up behind the uh, the guys staking him out, right? And what he does is he shoves a banana in the tailpipe. Now, if you guys have been born like after 2000s, go look for Beverly Hills Cop. It should be on, like on Netflix or something like that or look it up on YouTube. Banana in the tailpipe. Sticks a banana in the tailpipe. They try to start the car. What happens? The car doesn't start. Why? Because the exhaust is going back into circulating into the engine, which doesn't let it run. Same thing happens to your cell. If the cell does not get all those waste products, the carbon dioxide, lactic acid out of it, it starts to dysfunction. Now, you can see that this stuff doesn't stop, right? You don't stop, uh, your cells doesn't stop needing to make energy. You also don't stop eating. So you're consistently making acidic waste in your body because your body has to produce energy all the time. I mean, imagine if the cells of your heart stopped working and, make, and, and making energy. It doesn't work. So your body, no matter what you think, it's always craving for energy. 
So you can see with that, as your body's craving for more, more energy, you're also making more acidic waste. And where does that acidic waste go? To the outside of the cell in the extracellular matrix. And when the extracellular matrix becomes filled with acidic waste, what happens to the acidic toxins? They get neutralized and they pass through the cell membrane, which is supposed to keep it out, remember? And then when it gets into the cell, it then becomes acidic and it affects the cell in a negative way. So you can see what's going on here, guys. Just the mere fact of natural cellular metabolism, you are creating acidic waste. So luckily, your body does stuff to get rid of this acidic waste. So as your body makes uh, more carbon dioxide, what does it naturally want to do? It wants to get rid of it so that the carbon dioxide gets into the extracellular fluid and it goes into blood circulation to your lymphatics and it'll get out of your body. How does it get out of your body? First way, first way that it goes, you start to breathe more. So you start to exhale more carbon dioxide. If you ever notice when you go to work out, you breathe harder. If you're not breathing harder when you're working out, See a couple things. You're either not working out or you're not working out hard enough or something's really wrong with your body. Most people, when they work out, they're going to breathe harder. That's just because your body is, the demands for energy is increasing, so you're producing more carbon dioxide. So your body's trying to get rid of that to buffer that acidic load from carbon dioxide. So you start to breathe more. Then you start to perspire. The body gets rid of the acidic waste through your perspiration. And then the, the body will then buffer even more and get out the acidic waste through your kidneys. And then you pee it out. Okay, so there's three main ways. You perspire, you respire, and you urinate. Okay. Now, the other aspects that happens is that Sometimes the, the acidic waste gets stored within your tissues. And this happens a lot to athletes. So all you athletes out there, you guys know what I'm talking about. You go through an intense workout and that lactic acid builds up in your tissues and that lactic acid stays in your tissues and you feel that burn after your workout and then a couple days even after your workout. And that's why there's been a lot of talk of getting rid of those acidic wastes. I deal with this a lot in my practice when I, when I work with professional athletes and amateur athletes is that lactic acid load on their body. And what do we need to do to get that out of their system? Okay. Um, what I'm going to do is actually there, I drew out a diagram for this and I want you guys to see it. So what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to make a diagram, a PDF file that you guys can actually download uh, in this link. So if you go to, if you're, if you're listening to this podcast uh, on your iPhone or, or whatever, uh, make sure you go to our blog and then get the show notes and then get access to that PDF file so you can see clearly what's happening in that, in that flow chart. Okay. Um, now here's, here's a couple of things that also surrounds this pH is very interesting is that the pH of, of your of the extracellular fluid will actually decrease as temperature increases. So like, like when you're working out and you're increasing bodily temperature, you're also decreasing the pH in the extracellular fluid. So now you have uh, now you have an acidic 
extracellular fluid where remember if the thing is if the extracellular fluid is acidic it causes the acidic compounds to neutralize to pass into the cell you guys are gonna get sick of me telling you this but i want you guys to get that ingrained into your head on this is what starts the downturn of your cellular function okay so now when you look at when we talk let me step back a little bit but when we talk about blood ph now a lot there's been a lot of talk about oh well you can't measure ph and all that kind of stuff well that when we're talking about blood ph and affecting blood ph we're really talking about arterial ph so the 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 blood that's in the arteries going to the lungs because that's really what's the most important um because venous um venous blood ph varies so much but the blood that's going into straight into the lungs, into the arterioles of the lungs, and getting that gas exchange to get rid of the carbon dioxide and taking in oxygen, that's the one we're, we're most concerned about. So when you look at this, natural metabolism in your body is always tending the extracellular fluid towards acidity. Just a fact of nature, we can't get away from that. That's, that's a normal process. So if we know that, and we know that the cells have to make energy, we have to eat, and, the, and just the fact of us doing that and producing energy is creating acidic waste all the time, we, well, not we, we didn't do this, but our bodies naturally have to balance out that pH levels. And our bodies do, because if it just went, you know, the, the acidity just kept rising and rising, we'd all die. But it doesn't do that. Our bodies are very, very intelligent. If you haven't noticed, you don't have to think about beating your heart. You don't have to think about breathing. But we're going to talk about breathing because most people don't do it correctly. Okay? So our body has a couple mechanisms to balance out our pH levels. Our primary way to balance out pH levels is through respiration, breathing. So respiration, which then gives oxygen takes in oxygen, gets rid of the carbon dioxide, and it puts the oxygen into circulation, gets the carbon dioxide out of the body. And it, that, that pretty much balances out your pH. So if you heard somebody tell you, well, you know, you don't have to alkalize your body uh, because you just have to breathe, they're absolutely right. That is your body's primary way. Now, the secondary way if you're not getting in enough oxygen and getting out enough carbon dioxide, is your body turns towards alkaline minerals. And the main minerals that your body always turns to are four main alkaline minerals, sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. Those are four main alkaline minerals. Now, this should come from your diet. This is what, when we were hunter-gatherers, is what we ate. We ate real food, stuff that grew out of the ground and you know on trees, stuff that most people are not eating today. And what did these things contain? Sodium, potassium, calcium, and magnesium. These alkaline minerals would help buffer all of the extra acidic waste that your respiration was not keeping up with. Now, in our modern day and age, we've encountered more acidic waste. Stressors, right? Taxes, relationships, 
you name it, financial stressors, uh, you, whatever, anything becomes a stress and it puts an extra acidic load because what does stress do? It increases your metabolic rate, which increases acidic load on your system. So your body then turns towards the alkaline reserves. The alkaline reserves are your bones, your teeth, your muscles. So we see a sharp increase in, you know, possibly osteoporosis. This is not, again, this is not the only cause of osteoporosis. I don't want everybody coming back to me and say, whoa, you know, what about vitamin D and milk intake? And we'll have other podcasts that will talk about that. But the, your body stores the alkaline um, minerals in the bones, muscles, and teeth. So your body will then take, and, and, and again, this is the, like pretty much the last resort for your body. So it's, it's exhausted respiration, it's exhausted the alkaline minerals that you're supposed to be getting from your diet, and it's going towards your savings account. This is where your body is depositing it in that little safety deposit box known as your bones, muscles, and teeth. Okay, so this is how your body naturally has to balance out pH. Now, let's look at what happens to your body when you've exhausted these resources and your body cannot keep up with the acidic load that your cells are going through. Because remember, your cells are not going to stop. They're not going to stop working. If they stop working, you stop working. Okay. So uh, there was a great, great article that was published in the journal of leukocyte biology, and it was looking at the effects of pH in the extracellular fluid and its effect upon the immune system and the immune response. Okay, this has come from the Journal of Leukocyte Biology, April 2001. I'll have a link to this in the show notes. Okay, this is what they found. They found diminished transport across the cell membrane, diminished enzymatic activity within the cell, diminished protein and DNA synthesis, so basically, the cell's not working anymore, all right? And when we look at the diminished transport across the cell membrane, what it, it's blocking out the stuff that's supposed to get in. But the stuff that's not supposed to get in is getting in. So the bouncer at the front door is looking at it and, say, and letting all the people into the club that's not supposed to be getting into the club. That's a bad thing, guys. You don't want the bad guys getting into the club and wreaking havoc on the dance floor, right? That's going to ruin the party. Now, here's other things that they found in, in, this, in this research study. They found diminished immune activity, okay? But the surprising thing that they found, okay, so diminished, let me step back. What is diminished immune activity? It's basically your immune system is, is your police, right? It, it protects your body against all these foreign invaders and whatever is not supposed to be there. This is down. So it's kind of like the cops are on vacation, Okay? Or they're just sitting on the side of the road watching everybody wreak havoc on the town. Not a good thing. But what they found was that the immune activity was restored once the acidosis was corrected. And how did they correct the acidosis? They balanced out the pH levels. So you can restore immune activity by balancing out your pH levels. This is right here. Journal of Leukocyte Biology, April 2001. Okay? They found an increased production of glucocorticoids because this is what will uh, inhibit immune, immune uh, function in your body. Okay? These glucocorticoids, they float around. These are, these are the, the hormones that's produced as a stress response. 
Next thing is they found that low-grade acidosis would disrupt hormone activity, specifically in the thyroid hormone, insulin, and leptin. So there's no wonder where you have high amounts of thyroid cases, you have high amounts of insulin cases. All this is known as obesity or what Dr. Mark Hyman calls diabesity, where a combination of diabetes and obesity. This is what's happening. This is what they found in the study. You have low-grade acidosis causing diminished immune activity and disrupting hormonal activity specifically for the thyroid insulin. What else do we need to say, guys? How important is balancing out your pH levels? This is what the science is showing us. Here's what the International Journal of Inflammation, May 2013, this is what they they wrote. They said metabolic acidosis, most commonly, most common abnormality in patients is suffering from serious diseases. So basically what they're saying is that whenever they had a patient that was suffering from a serious disease, they always found metabolic acidosis. So they looked at all these patients and the commonality behind, regardless of their disease, their chronic disease, whatever name they had, one thing they had in common was metabolic acidosis. Okay, The different forms of the acidosis also produce different effects on the immune function. We just talked about it in the, in the other article. Okay, um, And at the end of the article, the, the author states, okay, rather than looking at blood acid-base balance, it's better to consider body acid-base balance because in order to treat these chronic degenerative diseases, you must look at treating the metabolic acidosis. Straight from his research paper, International Journal of Inflammation, May 2013. Again, that'll be in the show notes as well. Now let's look at, there, there was a uh, in the Journal of Diabetes. This is one of my favorite studies. This was done in 1985, guys. Diabetes, August 1985. What they found was that when they lowered the pH of the extracellular fluid from the physiological pH, which is 7.365, down to 6.9, this caused a decrease in insulin binding by 50%. So basically, what does this mean? Right, we see diabetes cases where uh, they're, the insulin is not working anymore. They're producing insulin, but it's not working. It's the, the insulin is not fitting into those receptors anymore. And why? What did they find here? They found it's because the extracellular fluid is lowered from its physiological state to 6.9. So it's becoming more acidic and it's decreasing the binding by 50%. Okay. And now here's the more startling finding here that the changes were reversed when they restored the pH within 48 hours. So it took about 48 hours for them working on balancing the pH back to 7.365, the extracellular fluid, and then insulin binding went back up to 100% from 50%. So what does that mean? Well, look at how we're treating diabetes currently. We're giving more insulin. But if the insulin is not sitting in the receptors and causing a a change in the cell because the extracellular fluid is causing the receptor to not work anymore, why are we giving more insulin? 
we need to be focusing on what the guy said in that last research paper, focusing on treating metabolic acidosis first and then addressing everything else. Okay. And there was another follow-up study. This was published in the Journal of Biological Chemistry, June 1981. It says cells in acidic extracellular fluid are relatively insulin resistant. And the same thing happened in this study too. They, you know, you, they, they turned the insulin resistance around when restoring physiological pH. So these are published research papers, guys, that are out there. And why are we not addressing that? That, that always boggled my mind, right? Um, so here's a question I always get in practice is, well, doc, well, how do you measure your pH? There's three ways that you, you can measure pH. And again, this is not really the best way and the, uh, the definitive way. You know? So the three ways, measuring your pH of your saliva, urine, and blood. It's not really that effective. It, it, I mean, just like your blood pressure. You know, you're, you, most people measure their blood pressure by putting a uh, blood pressure cuff around their arm. That doesn't really give you an accurate reading. I mean, if you really wanted to get the most accurate reading of blood pressure, you need to stick some type of pressure reader into your heart. That gives you the most accurate reading. But this, you know, measuring your blood pressure in your arm gives you some, some, I guess, some reading of your blood pressure. It's not the most accurate. But just like your pH, you're never going to get that accurate reading. But I mean, if, if you think about it, most people, and, and this is what this is what all the research is saying, and you look at physiological function, most people's bodies are tending more towards acidity anyway. So you kind of know that your body has an acidic load on it. And we need to do, especially in this day and age, we need to do everything possible to balance out that pH. Okay. Now I want to I want to talk about how do how do you keep your, your pH balanced? And I, I'm gonna um there, this is actually going to be a two-part series, uh, this podcast on pH, because there's so much information I want you to get, and I, I'm going to break it up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm briefly going to touch on the things that you can do to balance out your pH, and I'm going to give you the things that I recommend. And in the next podcast, we're going to dive deeper into uh, balancing out your pH. We're going to d- talk more about uh, the things I'm going to talk about, how um, how most people are balancing out their pH, the pros and cons. Um, and then we're going to talk more about the other stuff, you know, the stuff, the taboo stuff, uh, when we start talking about cancer and pH. And again, I, I, I just look at what the research is, is saying. And then I also look at what, what I've been able to do with patients in practice. Now, again, do not take this as, as strict dogma, guys. Take the information here and then utilize it for yourself. Study it out. And then make make an informed decision. Gather all the evidence, uh, and consult with with many people. Don't just take one person's idea, and don't just take their information. Gather it for yourself. That's what I educate for. You know, with all my patients, don't even just listen to me. Listen to all types of other people and gather all this information for your health, because your health is exactly what I said. Your health. It's not anybody else's health. It's not their responsibility. It's your responsibility. And that's what I'm going to um, say about that. So how, how do you keep your pH balance? There's basically three main ways. One is an alkaline diet. You know, that's very popular nowadays. Um, number two is baking soda. 
a lot of people say, hey, you know, um, let's drink baking soda every day and it'll, um, it'll help balance out your body's pH. Okay. And then one of the biggest ones that people talk about is ionized alkaline water. And this is usually coming from an ionized alkaline water machine, basically a, a, f- a water filter that uh, has these electrode plates in it that creates an ionized water. And, 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 in, and in part two of this podcast, I want to talk more about the pros and cons of that. Uh, my story that, I mean, I have personal use with an, a, a water alkalizer and, um, and all that kind of stuff. Now, so let me repeat that again. How do you keep your body's pH balanced on an external? Okay, this is external because you guys know the, the the internal stuff already. Breathe properly, right? And alkaline minerals that should be coming from your diet. Now, in, in this one, right? How do you keep your body, body's pH balanced? Alkaline diet, which is everybody should be eating a good diet. Um, baking soda and ionized alkaline water. Now, what do I recommend in clinical practice? Well, here's what I, we, the, these are the seven things that I recommend to my patients. First one, proper breathing. We don't breathe properly anymore. Uh, most people don't even take full breaths in anymore. And uh, we don't actually use most of our vital lung capacity anymore. And we used to do that, but we don't. And so uh, I'm actually going to do a, a, a dedicated either blog posts or a podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm still trying to decide on, uh, on how to um, teach you guys about proper breathing. Uh, in the meantime, look it up online. I mean, there's tons of video resources and stuff like that about breathing and try one of those. Number two, proper hydration. You got to drink water. And we're going to have a whole podcast episode about water, what it does for your body, what happens when you're dehydrated? What are the signs and symptoms of dehydration and what kind of water you should be drinking? Okay, so number one, breathing. Number two, drinking water. Number three, decreasing your toxin load. Now, this is your toxin load that you're being exposed to and the toxins that are within your body already. So you should always participate in some type of detoxification program and you should minimize your exposure to toxins. Okay, Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say that. If you are exposing yourself voluntarily to toxins, i.e. smoking, drinking, uh, even toxic people and toxic environments, get away from those things. Only if you care about your health. If you don't, by all means, keep on doing that. Number four, proper diet. Okay, we're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about diet. We have an upcoming episode where I'm going to be interviewing a company that helps you to eat healthy, and they deliver this straight to your door. So it makes things easy. Makes things easy. You got to love that word, easy, guys. It's like the easy button. There's an easy button for diet, guys. So we're going to talk more about that too. Number five, get your lymphatics moving. What does the lymphatics do? Well, the lymphatics is basically taking out all of that waste from the cells and trying to get that back into circulation, getting it back into your blood to be filtered out by the liver, the kidneys, and out of your body and through your urine and poop. Okay, but most people are not moving anymore. Moving means moving. Okay, sitting on the couch, watching television is not moving. Exercise. 
Everybody hates exercise, right? Nobody wants to be doing that. Everybody thinks that they do, especially on January 1st, but they don't do it. And what happens? Their lymphatics get stagnant and they keep the toxins within their system. So you got to get the lymphatics moving. Hey, if you're lazy and if you don't want to start that, start with a lymphatic massage. Find somebody in your community that does lymphatic massage and drainage and get with that person. That'll start help balancing all your pH levels. Number six is balance out your body's electric system. One of the best ways that you can do that is by getting in proper minerals. Minerals really improve your body's electricity. Okay. Next one behind that is getting your body adjusted. Ding, ding, ding. Get a chiropractic adjustment. That's what I do all day long. Give people chiropractic adjustments and restore proper motion to the spine and that will increase the body's electrical activity we're gonna have a whole podcast on what is chiropractic because chiropractic is not what people think that it is it's actually more than what we think that it is or what's being portrayed in the public next way to increase your body's electrics earthing and we're going to talk more about that too there's so much to talk about earthing uh basically you can do it for free right now. Earthing, just get reconnected with the earth. Simple way you can start this, go outside, take off your shoes, walk around barefoot, touching the earth. You need to do that. We did that as hunter-gatherers. We don't do that anymore. Why? Because our feet are covered by Nikes. And Nikes, as much as I love them, is killing our body's electric system. So get your body back connected to the earth. And the last one, alkalizing supplements and proteolytic enzymes. Again, guys, this is the, the, the bottom of the list. This should be your last thing that you're doing before all these other things. It shouldn't be the only thing that you're doing. It should be the last thing that, that kind of completes the cycle. Alkalizing supplements, and we're going to get more into that in, in part two of this episode, and proteolytic enzymes. So let me recap that again. Proper breathing, hydration, decreased toxin load, diet, Get your lymphatics moving, balance out your body's electrics, and then alkalizing supplements and proteolytic enzymes. Those are the top seven things I recommend for balancing out your body's pH levels. That's it for part one, guys. Next episode, we're going to dive deeper into those things that I talked about of keeping your pH balanced. Okay, we're going to dive deeper into the supplements that I recommend, supplements that I personally use to keep my, my pH balanced. We're going to discuss some of the myths about pH. Uh, we're going to talk about the research, okay? The research that's behind ionized alkaline water machines. There's going to be a lot of people that's going to be mad at me after I release that episode. Don't be mad at me. I'm just going to relay the information that I found clinically and I found in the research and guys, whenever I, whenever I say stuff, I always approach it for what I've done in the office and what I've seen as a result from patients, okay? So we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about, does balancing out pH actually affect cancer cells? Ooh, the cancer word. We're going to get more into that because there's too many people being affected by cancer, guys, and we need to do something about it. And it starts with you and me and your friends and family. That's where it starts. So I hope this was informative. I hope this was a learning experience. I hope it wasn't too boring. I try to make this 
a little bit exciting. So let me recap what we talked about, guys. Okay. So pH is the measure of the hydrogen ion concentration in an aqueous solution, right? We go from a pH scale of 0 to 14. Now, every single cell in your body is producing acidic waste because it has to produce energy. And the mere fact of producing energy makes these acidic waste in the extracellular fluid. That starts to create an acidic body. But your body balances that out naturally, right? First through breathing, then through alkaline minerals that's supposed to be coming from your diet, and then it moves to the alkaline reserves, which is in your muscles, your bones, and your teeth. And what they found in the research was that low-grade acidosis was the cause of all chronic health diseases and that we need to be addressing low-grade acidosis and, and balancing that out because it had an effect upon insulin binding on the cells. Uh, it has effects on the immune system, inflammation in your body, all kinds of stuff that surrounds cellular activity. You guys learned about how we measure pH. Remember, that's not the exact way to do it. Saliva, urine, and blood. And we learned about the, the, the a couple ways that we're doing currently to balance out your pH levels, your alkaline, alkalizing diet, uh, baking soda, and um, ionized alkaline water machines. And then I gave you my top seven tips for balancing out your pH levels. That's all in the show notes, guys. So I hope you learned something. Uh, maybe you learned something new. Maybe you didn't. Uh, but either way, if you made it this far in the podcast, Thank you for listening. Um, please go over to our iTunes and review. Uh, give us a review. Give us a five star review. Give us, a, you know, give us some feedback. We love to hear from you guys. And also go to our go to our our, our website www.whatupdocuniversity.com. And on the homepage, you can actually leave a message. You can, if you wanted to be part of the podcast, leave us a message, and we'll ask. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll answer your question on the podcast. Uh, I'll talk about your question and we'll have you, you can actually record the message and then I'll play it on air and I'll answer it. Um, be part of our blog, you know, uh, comment, like, share our blog. That's the, that's the biggest thing, guys, is we need to share this information with people. We need to share it with their friends and family because we don't have proper information about our health anymore. We've been given all this kind of garbage and that's the whole reason why I'm doing this podcast is I need to get the information out that I know that I know that's successful within my practice and I need to help you guys and I need to uh, give you guys proper information that's not that's not have or it doesn't have some type of ulterior motive behind it. Okay, and that's the reason why we do this podcast and that's the reason why I love doing it because I love to hear your stories, your stories of success. Share that with us. Share that with the world. Um, you know, comment on our blog and, and, and just leave us a message saying, hey, hi, you know, I, I've applied these things and uh, let us know how it's affecting your health. So stay tuned for part two as we dive deeper into the pH discussion. We're going to talk more about the, the, the stuff that keeps your pH balanced. Right, and, and some of the myths surrounding that, and we're going to talk more about in that episode. So, stay tuned for part two of pH. Till then, this is Dr. Mike at whatupdocuniversity.com. Aloha. Mm-hmm.